podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Pick up your phone while driving and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. You know what, Josh? This newfound competency we're displaying is making me feel distinctly uneasy. I know, it's just a deeply unnatural state, isn't it? Yeah, I might deliberately sabotage this week's offering at some point, like I'm some kind of <laughs> Pro 12 referee who's wandered in. <laughs> anyway... But you wouldn't, then, you wouldn't be then sabotaging it through malice, just through breaking yes, it's like it, it's idiocy. It's, like a, it's, the, it's yeah. whatever the opposite of an idiot savant is, is what Pro 12 referee <laughs> intends to be. Yes, I'm afraid I don't speak French, so... <laughs> but anyway, episode 3-6 hmm. is here. And it not is. unlike the former England midfield creative Colossus of the same name, we're trying to work <laughs> out what our role is still, really. Yeah, I mean, I know I know where I'm playing. Where, where is Billy Twelvetree's playing? That is the question. He's playing in an absolute shit pit of a team, but we'll talk about that a bit <laughs> later on. But, you know, whatever our role is, I continue to be consistently Lee Calvert, the editor of BloodandMud.com. You do. Fair play. Say what, anyone can say what they like about you, but that is true. And, and you indeed, are. I, I remain Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com. Yes, you've been consistently watching shirts since... When is it now? Uh, 2013, I think. That's, that's when the website started, flown. but you probably can't put your finger on when it exactly started, can you? <laughs> yeah, not really, no. And anyway, the two of us together, we are Wild Stallions. No, not really. Uh, we are <laughs> the BloodandBud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. And this week, we have our usual mix of reviews, shit-watching and the like. We've uh, more rugby problems to talk to you about. An extremely, co- an extremely controversial. I don't second that emotion. Yes, and I, some... I'm already angry about that. We haven't <laughs> got to it yet. And some player spotting as well to report before we finish with a song, like a cruise ship full of misanthropy sailing towards a Matthew Bastero-shaped fatberg. <laughs> I'm going to keep coming up with these strap lines every week for as long as you let me okay. do it. It's, I'm enjoying them. Carry on. You can get in touch with the pod at Blood and Mud, or you can get in touch with Josh at... Uh, like that, Josh Gardner, or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch. Please leave us a review if you're listening on iTunes. That's all I'm going to say about that this week. Yes. Before we get into the meat and two veg of the, sp- of the, of the pod... <laughs> I'm sorry I said that. I, that was a stream of consciousness <laughs> thing. I'm very sorry. Um, the meat and drink of the pod... Um, yes. Let's talk about some news this week, which is the England squad is out. Yes. Well, it's, it's the England training. Squad. I don't understand how the England EPS shit works. To be honest, with you. It's there's the squad, one big EPS squad, squad, which is 45 players, and then there's a training right. squad for the Autumn Internationals, which is 37 players. Right. That's okay. the basic thing you need to understand. In front of me, I have the 37 player um, training squad. The noteworthy. You're going to ask me the name then? No, I've got it here in front of me. <laughs> Okay, good. The, yeah, go. See how many you can get. <laughs> it's like three and ten on Kem on Kem Bruce. But it's at the um, the big thing about the wider squad is that Alex, your favourite sort of Alex Lazowski, is in that squad. Mm, the wider one, which I think, I mean, it's a bit weird, isn't it? He's like played four half decent. Well, he's played three good games and one 
fairly shit game. I think the and China... that's enough for international call up these days. I'm assuming he qualifies for Italy. Are they trying to just cover all the oh. bases and, and cup tie him based on that, basically? <laughs> so they basically not content with the fact that Italy are an absolute shit heap anyway. They're going to attempt to cap a player that they probably don't really have any long term interest in to keep him away from Italy. I don't know we've said it before, but you know, and it's you know it's a course celebrity long discussion, but he really isn't better than Danny Cipriani. He really, really isn't, especially really isn't. with the way that Cipriani has played this. And, and let's not forget the way that Cipriani has played with a Owen Farrell like player outside him, namely yes. Jimmy Gopeth. If one were looking for a model, you might say that's one to go for, wouldn't you? Mm, you might think that, but Eddie Jones, he say no apparently. Unlike the man from Del Monte. One for the kids there. Um, <laughs> anyway, if you look at the squad generally, interesting things. Oli Devoto's in for Manny Tuolangi. Yeah, which I think is kind of just the final warm body, isn't it? Yeah. You see, there are a lot of players in that squad that I was looking at and I was just like, yeah, you're in, but he has absolutely no intention of letting you anywhere near a field at any point. Mike Brown is still in there. Yeah, Ben Morgan is in there and ben he definitely won't be in the final squad. Well, no, not with... Um, um, Hughes and Vonopola. And Big Billy. No, exactly. And it's the same kind of... You sort of look at someone like Alex Goode and you think, especially now that he hasn't actually looked that brilliant this season, it's like if you could ignore him last season, it's going to be even easier now. Dan Robson's in. That's good news. Yes, uh, Ben Spencer's in. I thought that's very good news as well. And he cares for anyway. Ben Young's in there. I thought, in amongst the whole sort of Lazowski-Cipriani controversy, though, I think... The most telling part of the whole thing was probably Eddie's um, talk about the open side, mm. Earth, Sons, him, um, which basically, he basically said he's given up on finding a proper seven for the time being. Well, uh, to be honest, all you can do is look around what's there, and if it's not there, and you don't fancy Matt Kvezic, it's not there, is it? Yeah. When he says we're looking for a disruptive defensive player, not a traditional number seven, because at the moment we don't have that in England. What's the bet? Any place Hughes at seven? Well, that's <laughs> the thing. He said that he wants Hughes and Billy as the two eights, which, I mean, it would be a big ask to have somebody. But he's talking about um, the Wasps lad, whose name has just disappeared off my brain and uh, Thompson and um, Mike Thompson. Williams has been the potential mm. two that will fill that void. Tommy Taylor's there from Wasps as well. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be an interesting he's very committed to this, because we, we, I mean, we've talked about this many times, but it's like it always felt like Eddie's long-term vision we assumed would to be involved playing a more expansive game and a bit more of a progressive one, but mm. these comments seem to indicate that he's looked around and gone um yeah, let's let's stick to to what we know, and yeah. But you can't. How do you but, feel about if that? If it's not there, it's fan? not. Um, you know what? It pisses me off. But you know, you can't you can't nip fog, can you? No. You know, if it's not there, true. it's not there. And if you don't fancy Kvezic, are you better off just going for a gigantic lump of something that can do something a bit and work on some skills? I mean, I suppose Itoji does give you that more dynamic. Mm. forward option in terms of ball stealing and turnover and it's not like England are short of tidy locks that would fill in in the second row if you moved in back to seven either no I don't think he'd play seven he might push <laughs> Robshaw back to seven and put Itoji at six 
Yeah, he says he's really happy with Robshaw at six, though. Which that doesn't surprise me. I'm just—I don't no, think he will do that. I'm not very, even. I'm not even advoc- very good. I'm not even advocating that's an approach you should take. I'm just saying no. it's something you could do. Uh, but I just think I, it's a bit sad when you look at all these really exciting players that England have got, and you know the Cipriani thing being the textbook example of, hmm. and you just think, like he's kind of, and he's kind of ended up doing the same thing that lots of other England manager, uh, bosses I, I have done and they've just kind of gone, well, what we're really good at is bashing it through the forwards and being sort of fairly route one and predictable and we're just going to stick with that. And it's a little bit yeah, retrograde, isn't it? It is, but you're still a long way out for the next World Cup. My, my question would be, funnily enough, would be from somebody like Rob Andrew, really, who's not around mm. anymore, to say, <laughs> why haven't we got a seven? Yeah. You've been in charge of elite rugby. Why has there been no pathway for a seven to come through or a proper one or, or one that... Yeah. You know, the, the, I remember going... Is, hey. he wait, is he basically saying... Is he laying... Part of me wondered, is he laying the bedrock for say, trying to get Sam Underhill in the squad next year when he's only got a year left on his Ospreys deal? Because then he'll be able to say, I've looked... There are no sevens of acceptable quality in England. If I want a seven who actually plays like an open side, I have to go and pop over to Wales and get this lad. That's assuming that Underhill keeps going the way he's going. Well, he's exactly. Still I mean, he's, he? you know he's injured I mean? at the moment, but um, you know, obviously, he's massively, massively talented. Yes. And is actually learning in a place where we aren't entirely allergic to open side flankers. So. Uh, I mean, you could play seven looking at it. You could squeeze Harrison over there, but... Mm. Well, that, that they kind of tried that in Australia, didn't they? And that went <laughs> that, that ended, well. That ended very even quicker than Henry Paul's career. I think that ended. <laughs> um, yeah, there are, I'm not saying that there aren't a lot. There aren't many options, but I just thought it was interesting the vault face that he's obviously he's had six to eight months there now. And he's just gone, actually, no, none of these will do. And, and I suppose it gives... It should give you some sympathy for coaches that came before, because it's mm. not that easy to go. You know, with it. as I say, I think the problem is is that why are we not producing them to the standard that there's about three or four of them to be chosen? Yeah, how come England can produce world like test quality hookers, seemingly like mm. Cadbury's factory can produce bars of dairy milk, and yet open side flankers remain an absolute anathema. And that's really weird because they can produce practically any other player on the pitch with relative consistency. Brian Moore's written about it today in the Telegraph. Okay, England's that. endless search for an heir to the great sevens is uh, Eddie Jones's big headache. I'm not really sure how many great sevens we've had. I'll be honest. I, think uh, I don't strength. think it's been a historic strength. No, it hasn't. obviously I the mean, game is back was a genuinely great seven. Yes, uh, in part of a genuinely great back row and pack, mm. which helped. Now, you know, Winterbottom was decent, but he wasn't, you know. I think the thing is that the role of the seven has become much more magnified in the game in the last five or six years mm. as, you know, the breakdown has become, yeah, as, as the sort of set piece has kind of diminished as the point of of con- like conflict in the game and, and the breakdown has become where it's at. The seven's role has just become magnified in its importance and... I don't think that's ever really played to England's strengths. So it seems anyway, they're in Brighton this week, and the big thing they've got to do this week is judo. Oh, lovely. They're doing judo. 
Um, Kate Howie, who won silver, or whatever the other, four-time Olympians, come in to do some judo <laughs> sessions with them. And why not? We've also found out that Jones has written a personal letter to each of them, uh, telling them what they need to work on. <laughs> See, when you say personal letter, it sounds quite romantic. It does. But then but you no, say what they need to work it's... on. I assume it's a bullet-pointed list explaining how fucking shite they yeah. are. Well, believe the Polo said that he's, he's in his letter. It basically said, "Here's some set piece stuff to work on, to, to work on, <laughs> and make sure you keep an eye on your weight." It's <laughs> <laughs> what Billy Polo said because we all know which what way that can go. Down fatty. Yes, basically. And, yeah. So, yeah, so they're doing well, judo this week. So there you go. Why, and why not? Wales did the judo thing a couple of years ago, never at them. So, yeah. I suppose in that kind of, yeah. yeah. The thing is, you've got to be careful because that whole judo throw thing was very popular a few years ago. But nowadays, that would, of course, be lifting somebody above the horizontal yes. and you're likely to get penalised for Ippon that. is a card, I believe. Mm, yeah. Rule 37, <laughs> Amendment 4. Dropping somebody mm. an Ippon is a card. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I think we're going to see, so looking forward to that squad, we're probably going to see a bit more of the same. I would have said, um, I can't see that many teams troubling England this, if they continue the way they have been playing. Oh no, this, yeah, I think they should autumn. win all of their games in the autumn. We should win. It'd be nice to have a look at some. I'd like, like to see Rocco Dagooni have a go. I think he, def- he definitely deserves it. I'd like to see Henry Slade have a run at 10. Hmm. Or at twelve, or at twelve, or at thirteen. Or... I'd like to at least got to give Elliot Daly a go. He has to give Elliot Daly a go now. Surely, He's playing far better than Jonathan Joseph. Yeah, massively so. And a team that's playing far better. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's, so it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, we'll let's, see. Let, let's have a look over the weekend. As, as you know, Josh, um, mm. I've recently moved into the new Blood and Mud Towers. You have indeed. And this has meant that I've been unable to watch as much rugby as I would like. Because, you know, DIY, gardening, going to Ikea and other such soul-splintering things that I've had takes to take. Takes up a lot of time. It does take a lot of precedent. This has been a great source of upset to me, I'll be honest. A great Imagine. source of upset to me. Until this weekend, <laughs> when it seems that most rugby matches, or certainly the ones I could have watched on TV, decided to turn into a great big gift wrap bag of shit. Oh, atrocious. Like, bad, bad games is absolutely the theme of this weekend. Like, Gloucester Bath, bad. Oh. Newcastle Worcester. Bad. Dragons Glasgow, bad. Scarlet's Treso, bad. And then the shit of the shit, which was um, South Africa versus Australia, which was an absolutely atrocious yes, it was. bag of bollocks. It was just, oh, hateful. It was absolutely In that second awful. half, it was so awful. It, like, was, it became the rugby equivalent of Lou Reed's Metal Machine music or something. You know, it was like... It was so willfully, brain-fryingly shit and incompetent. <laughs> yeah, you're doing this on purpose. sort of avant-garde <laughs> performance <laughs> yeah, art. Yeah, yeah I, am, I, I said I've seen, I've seen a better exhibition of skills than asking a drunk, fingerless man to play the clarinet. That was what I said. <laughs> that was my little... No, it was, it was in, just... But it's Australia not an excuse for a skill that... level like that. I mean, literally, there was no. one. Which forward was it? It was in the line. For South Africa, Alberts for South Africa. When he, he threw a pass to a bloke next to him, nobody was even pressuring him, and it went two meters forward. It was that was yes, it was the break, wasn't it? And yeah. The, the, oh, it it's was. unbelievable, and they were dropping the ball all over the place, like completely. It was, the conditions were bad. Like, shit. Australia scored that really good try in the first half, and that almost felt like everybody was kind of rubbing it in, because the second half really was like two bald men fighting over a comb that the comb's made of shit. <laughs> It was just hopelessly <laughs> pedestrian. Ugliest bald men fighting over the world's crappiest comb. Yeah. 
But it was Mike so, Pullen on Twitter the basic said skills were so bad. Mike I'm Pullen s- on Twitter said that it was irredeemably shit. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's pretty bad. I I can't argue with that to be honest. It was just it was one of those games where I was watching it and I almost sort of was sitting there thinking I could do something else now. Like I could go and mow the lawn. I well, I'd taken a lot. break from, you know, man stuff. I had a petrol strimmer <laughs> and everything and I took a break to come and watch this and that's what I had to put up with. I could have been outside with a big machine strapped to me. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 I could have gone, like, I was genuinely thinking I could go up the loft and that takes <laughs> sit in the that, dark. That'd be better than yeah, this. It's in the dark, it's hot and there are spiders up there but you know what? I'm going for it. was for better it. than that shit. And then the it opposite was... end of the scale, of course, was All Blacks versus Argentina, which was a beautiful and wonderful display of rugby on many levels, but it was equally as awful to watch. It was just terrible. It was like the sort of thing that the only reason that they showed it at like 11 o'clock at night was because the only really way you could enjoy it was to be sort of half cut and not really that invested in anything. Because it was just not as a sporting contest. Okay, that Argentina came back in the second half and made a, a good go of it, but it was just. There's, there's no fun to be had watching the All Blacks anymore. I love the way that you can, you say you know you have to be sad. I love the idea that you can listen to kind of ambient music in a sort of ecstasy <laughs> up haze, just kind of watching this thing. And that's the only way you can actually enjoy it. I actually put that, out on Twitter, and I think you chimed in on it to say, you know, you cannot help but admire them, but for yeah. sport, it's just terrible. And no, some um, a Kiwi guy said, "Oh, pipe down, you know, we're loving it. You know, it's everybody else's fault. They need to get better." And you know what? You can't argue with it, can you? And any kind of plaudits you want to give to them, you cannot argue with. They are absolutely, no, absolutely. outstanding. And yet, why this... do you find yourself watching it going, oh, I think it gives again. me no joy whatsoever to watch this? No, that's when, they, when they're tested and they're brilliant, like the All Blacks are an absolute joy. And, you know, I remember that, that game against South Africa a, few, uh, a year or two ago where South Africa were bang up for it, and it was like watching two prize fighters going for it, and the All Blacks played some genuinely next-level stuff, probably one of the best games of rugby I've ever seen. That was when the All Blacks being brilliant was brilliant. But this is like, it's like I think I said on Twitter, it's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, that's it's what like, springs to mind. The yeah. skill levels are amazing, but you already know who's going to win, and yeah. it's just a case of by how And you much. just wish somebody would put them under pressure. That's what yeah. I like the Globetrotters. It's like, you know, tackling the Globetrotters, they stand their show box and they'll be trying to get the ball off them. And it feels a bit like that. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's nobody's for... fault. It's just the well, way it is. It's not the, certainly not the All Blacks' fault. It's arguably everybody else's fault for not catching up and not maintaining the level of goodness that they have. Mm. But yeah, it, it's not good for the sport to have one team to be sort of this far ahead of everyone else because it just... It removes any sense of drama, and sport without drama is just resting. That was exactly the point that I was going to make, yeah. Because the reason why you can watch any sport, if you're a sports fan, and even if you're not a sports fan, is the drama. Mm. That's why pubs full of people watch big games with drama. Exactly. That's why my mother even watches some sporting contests and gets excited about them, because it's the drama of it. And without that, and they're just... That's why I've occasionally watched the Little League World Series. I've never you know, done that, I'll be honest, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. You'd be surprised what you do when it's two o'clock in the morning and you're looking for some sport to watch. But yeah, it's, if there's sport and there's drama, it's like if you say... There's something it's, else you could do on the internet at two o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah. Yeah, so... It's, yeah, it's it brings terrible. you in, doesn't it? It can put, like, you know, my wife has absolutely no interest in sport whatsoever, but when 
there's an exciting, tense, close game going on, she'll all of a sudden be pulled in because yeah, it's a universal human thing, and without it, sport is just a bit shit. South Africa versus Japan. People yeah. who didn't give a shit about rugby or even about sport were crowding around the telly to watch that when it's all was unfolding. It was magnificent. And we need more of that, and it's not happening, and it's basically all the All Blacks' fault. <laughs> and nobody can argue with that, so let's move well, on. Exactly. Yeah, you mentioned on the shit game thing, Gloucester versus Bath was like tiling if the tiles were a terrible pattern the room had no windows and you had to make your own grout out of mashed rat bones <laughs> I mean it's, in many ways it was exactly the sort of game that you expect to have when one team is starting Matt Banahan and Alif fucking Brew as their midfield I mean oh my word <laughs> and the other team is an absolute Honestly, bag of God. direction of shit obviously I feel a bit sick I know. I mean, it was awful. It was ugly. And just Banahan's try, which was created by some of the worst first phase defending from Billy Burns that you'll see, uh, was exactly what the game deserved. It was hateful, hateful. Interestingly, game. in analysis, Austin Healy, everyone's favourite tiny leprechaun-faced man, mm-hmm. said um, mm-hmm. said that Banahan was outstanding walking that in from there and should have been playing for England in the last two years. <laughs> I could have walked it in from there. Of course and you could. walk being the operative word. And Banahan actually could... does walk for the first 45 metres. It takes him that long <laughs> to get up to even like a canter. That's the, that's what his issue is. In fact, you could have just told a like relatively well-trained border collie to like hold a sort of net to catch a rugby ball in and just put him on the wing. And the result would have been identical, really. Probably would have done quicker. But it was terrible. Uh, Worcester versus Newcastle. Was Dog shit. The rugby equivalent of being slowly drizzled on at a primary school summer fair. Basically, <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, it was just. You know how I was sort of talking about how Newcastle and Worcester look streets ahead of Bristol. Yes. That game kind of made me feel like maybe they're not. Yeah, but they still both... they'd still score four tries against Bristol, probably. Well, we'll come. I mean, that that's the other end of the scale, isn't it? I mean, we. The badness of Bristol. I mean, we should probably come back to that in a minute. Yeah. But like, yeah, there are some bad teams in the Premiership at the moment, and Worcester and Newcastle just demonstrated that for all of the relatively impressive results that they've got, like, hmm. they're yeah, not it was very a pretty good. Poor show, wasn't it? Well, yeah, just it perhaps goes to show that the bottom half of the Premiership table is perhaps not as good as they would like it to think it would be. Like outside of that top four or five teams, there's a lot of inconsistency and a lot of meh. Yes. And speaking of which, Quinn, uh, that Quinn's defending in the wasps, like wasps were another level. Irresistible brilliant. again, yes. Yeah, like amazing. But Jesus Christ, the defending that Quinn's, I wouldn't even call it defending, to be honest with you. It's just standing around how did watching that... other people score. How did that Quinn's team defend against Saracens for a half? Saracens who defeated Bristol 39 nil <laughs> this weekend. This, you know, the more and more you think about the rugby the past, you know, last weekend makes even less sense than it did at this time last week. No, it really doesn't. I mean, and then you look at Saints, for example, beating Exeter. Like, that was a good a really game. To be fair, that start. was a good game. Yeah, but they've had a really bad start to the season and they've lost yeah. a load of games, but at the same time, they look much better than loads of teams that are like, what the fuck's going on with Leicester? I've got no idea. Or Sale, I've got no idea either. I thought Leicester would be top four again this year and Exeter would drop yeah. out for Northampton. I think it might be the other way around now, to be honest. Yeah, like Leicester 
look like they have literally no idea how to defend. They've like conceded thirty points in Which three games. Which is just not Leicester, is it? That's the other. No, it's just. I mean, I know like Richard Cockerham grab- must literally be going home and just chewing on big bricks every evening just to get the rage out. And um, and then and so, yeah, Sale beat Leicester. We just mentioned Leicester, but it was Sale that beat them. Yeah, even with one, a dodgy call, which Steve Diamond wanted to kick off about. Yeah, and there was some. I mean, hats off to uh, Thompson for one of the best finishes you'll see this season for Leicester's uh, final try, where he's being somehow tackled on both sides on the touchline and still managed to ground it. But um, that was about the only positive thing from the game for Leicester, because yeah, I mean, everyone's forgotten how to defend. And I mean, if we're going to talk about bad defending, I think we do. Now we need to talk about Bristol. <laughs> Let's take a minute and talk about Bristol's defending again. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Just the thing is, they've defended like they held Saris to ten points in that first half. Don't forget, they've defended really well in patches, but every game they just run out of steam. The floodgates open, and they make these stupid like. Did you see the moment on the weekend where they won a turnover on their own line? And then in the act of trying to fall on the ball and go to ground so that they could present the ball, they instantly coughed it up and Sarri scored on the next phase. And what can you say about that shit? It's just rank incompetence. Do you know who their defence coach is? Uh, It's John Thomas. It is, yeah. Uh, Slicer and I got in touch on Twitter for the shit bit, but I'll do it now because we're talking about it, saying that uh, shit for him this week was Jonathan Thomas, Bristol's defence coach, enough said. Well... This, I mean, I I was going to come on back onto it with shit, but fuck it, I'll say it now. Like, you look at Andy Robinson, like, he took over Bristol in 2013, where Bristol were a side that played decent attacking rugby, but were terrible in defence. And in the last four years, he spent more money than anyone ever has in the second tier on players and coaches and all sorts. And yet, somehow, he's not only failed to deal with any of these issues, but, like, he gets them promoted, and then he has a complete clusterfuck of an off-season where <laughs> to prefer his team for the biggest defensive challenge they're ever going to face, instead of getting someone experienced in, he gets bloody John Thomas, who is an amazing, I love him, a fantastic player in his day, but has 0% experience as a top-flight defence coach. Hmm. And then he gets rid of Sean Holly, who's been intrinsic to Bristol's success for the last, like, just before the season, and then doesn't bother to replace him. And by all accounts, Holly was the one that had a really good rapport with the players and was, you know, he's a technical coach. He was the guy out on the training field every day and they haven't replaced him. I I just honestly think Andy Robinson is not nearly as clever as he thinks he is. There's a very good reason that no one wanted him when he got turfed out from Scotland. Do you think that Sean Holly uses his Scrum 5 analysis voice all the time? Yes, all the time. When he's like coaching? Because he sounds like he's he's, he's a movie trailer commentator, doesn't he? (laughs) <laughs> it was a time to go wide. They defended very well. And how inspiring would that be in a Monday morning analysis session? You know, <laughs> yeah. come on. But it's just, it's, it's, you look at that team, there's 16 full internationals in that Bristol squad. Yeah, they really shouldn't be odd. this bad, should they? Man for man, they're more talented than Newcastle, Worcester, arguably even more than Sale. And, and yet they're shipping down. 203 points in four games. That's just fucking un- inexcusable. The thing is, what about Andy Robinson's coaching career makes anybody think he's going to do anything at the top level of a sport ever again as a number yeah. one? I'll qualify it with that. Literally, the the only thing that he's done that could be classed as successful in the last 15 years is he had two good D1 
decent years with Edinburgh before he took the Scotland job. That's true. But since then... Insert your own Pro 12 joke here. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was... And it's not like he won a title with Edinburgh or anything, is it? He just made them less shit, no offence, Edinburgh fans. (laughs) Which, by their standards, was like winning the Heineken Cup. But that's not a resume to make him you know he's been there for five years now and he's done fuck all and i honestly feel like if steve lansdale if they would they've got newcastle away next week if they lose steve lansdale should very much think about sacking him i know it's not the done thing in rugby but it's clear that something is not right there at the moment they should and they don't seem to be playing for him they could have tapped up big Vern, you see he should have known well, that exactly. was coming. They, they could have, have got in there before Montpellier could... made him the highest paid cub coach in the world. Yeah. Imagine how many animals he can buy to kill with that amount of money. <laughs> he could literally buy, I mean, I don't know what the price, the average price of a hare is, but probably about a euro, could, I would he imagine. He can buy exotic animals now. He can get Komodo oh, yeah, dragons in and make the forwards kill that. <laughs> make them actually wrestle live bears and things. Yes. I mean, I don't want to see it. It's grotesque. But that seems to be the sort <laughs> but yeah, of thing it would still would be do. quite funny. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that was the... Well, let's talk about Pro 12 very quickly. Yeah. Um, what Pro should 12, be said about Pro should have beaten Ulster, but didn't. Blue should have beaten Leinster, but didn't. Dragons should have beaten Glasgow, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, Scarlets should have beaten Treviso and did, which actually, yes, as but... Scarlet season goes, that's pretty good. That's a good result. Yeah, I mean, it's clear the Irish and Scottish teams, they've got... Strength in depth, a bit better than the Welsh teams, I think. And that's probably going to be the tale of the Pro 12 this season. But I think the league is a lot more competitive this year. Like, I was very frustrated by the Ospreys losing, but they they were really good. And they should have won that game. Like, they shut down Charles Piatow. How many teams have done that? Like, True. that new defence coach they've got um, is doing ab- the fucking Lord's work. He really is. Um and Bad if only Davis. they hadn't had a horrible penalty decision where a player gets pinged for not rolling away when he's been intentionally pinned by two opposition players, then they would have won the game. Not so, that you're bitter about it? Not that I'm bitter about it. I mean, we should have been more clinical than anyway. But and, and yeah, it sets up a fantastic match. Blues at home next Friday is, uh, yeah. is a big old game now. What do you think? Um, I really don't know, to be honest. I think it's... it's I back the Ospreys with home field advantage, but obviously the Blues... They've looked very, very impressive this term. I think it's one of those, it's a coin flip for me. Is the choir going to be there? Uh, I can only hope so. I hope they've learned Is a few more songs. Is that going to be a thing though. this year, the children's choir still? Do we I, know? Really hope, I really hope they've learned their lesson. At least just get an adult's choir in. It's not quite as weird then. Yeah, it hasn't got that kind of Pan's Labyrinth ghostly sort of noise going on in the background, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than that... Have you got a proper blue... choir in to sing the Carmina Burana throughout the entire game? That would be absolutely yeah. amazing, wouldn't Why it? Not? Lovely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Connacht won. Yes, Connacht won a game. I mean, it was against Edinburgh at home. And I haven't Edinburgh got a klaxon teed really, up. I wish I had. That was screaming for really a klaxon. Bad. But yeah, it was, it was... Yeah, they won a game. Well Months done. Must have beat, you know, everybody who should have won probably did win. You would imagine. I don't think there were any actual upsets this weekend. Which no, no, there weren't. Yeah, I mean, you might have favoured the Blues over uh, Leinster a little bit. It wasn't na- but... well the way they've been playing, but it wasn't nailed on, was it? But it's not no, an upset, is not. it, to see Leinster beat them? It kind of, it kind of all went to roughly script. I mean, Leinster were very lucky, to be honest. They 
Josh van der Fleer's try absolutely should have been ruled out for double movement, but the ref didn't go to the TMO. But them's the breaks. And God. It, it's, I know a lot of Cardiff fans have been asking me to stick uh, Dudley Phillips in shit. And, but, well, somebody's uh, already done that for you, I think. Yeah, it's just one of the. I'm bored of talking about Pro 12 refereeing now, but I'm sure I will do in about two and a half minutes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. We finish off the roundup of the weekend, as we always do, with a catch up on uh, hashtag Zebra Shit Watch. Coming so close to turning over the blues last week, the mighty men from Palmer. I actually have to look up where Zebra were from because <laughs> I couldn't remember. Um, faced a daunting trip to Munster, and 49.5 is actually par for the course for them away from home. Do you know the last time they scored more than 10 points away from home? Do you know when that was? No, but please tell me. It was a whopping 260 days ago uh, against <laughs> Worcester in the Challenge Cup when they scored 22. So, uh, yeah, they lost. Really of course, they lost. Cared, so. uh, that's 148 days since they've lost one any kind of game and uh, 23 days since they regained the CPC. Robbie Alexander got in touch on Twitter saying um, a nomination for a shit thing for this week was the... the the clip of the highlights package for Monster Zebra on their YouTube channel. I tell it was you another what, one of the commentatorless ones. It's genuinely appalling. I, I had to go and look at it when I saw that. And it wasn't just that there was no um, commentator thing on it. So the only thing we had was the noise of the referee the ref breathing. Man. And it was really is... muffled and incredibly yeah, muffled. loud and in the mix. He was breathing. Like, there were moments where all you could hear was just him breathing heavily, <laughs> which was just really quite disconcerting. It was, also... it was literally like, <gasps> yeah. roll away! <laughs> <laughs> and then occasionally, a non-leveled, balanced, incredibly piercing whistle blast. <laughs> just... It was worse than this pod. That's how it bad much, the sound much levels were. It was much, much worse than this pod. And... I mean, they talk about the Pro 12 wanting to be some, in some way attractive and big time. And yeah, but also the video quality. It looked like it had been filmed in yeah. like on a camcorder from 1987. It looks like it was the ones that used to go on your shoulder with a VHS yeah. tape it in it. It looks like the sort of thing that like you're watching, you've been framed in the 90s, and then all of a sudden something comes on and someone falls over and everyone laughs and you get 250 quid. It was... Genuinely one of the most atrocious excuses for I a mean, sports broadcast I've ever seen. How much must it cost just to get somebody to voice over some highlights? It really can't be a lot of money. Because because they, they go to the bother of writing the highlights. Yeah, that Sky News ticker comes ever. across the bottom, doesn't it? Get a fucking like get a laptop with a built-in mic and just say it and lay it. Just run the audio track yeah, over the top with a gentle bed of music. Bound to be somebody in the office who's using this as a leg up to a proper media career. So just, <laughs> so just you know, ask them to do it. It's just it. It's astonishingly low rent, and it makes the Pro Twelve look absolutely bush league. Which, let's be honest, there are many ways that the Pro Twelve looks fucking bush league. That's an entirely Boom. different specialist pod episode. That is, but let's. Um, it is. Russell yeah. Russell Pugh got in touch on Twitter about the CPC. He said, "Is it an opportunity to rebrand the CPC?" Well, no, hmm. afraid not. No. But he no. said, "Can I be the first to suggest the Ben Bottica Vars awarded for dog shite kicking?" So actually, you're making two points there, Russell. One, can we rebrand the CPC? Absolutely not. However, nope. you're suggesting an additional award to be given, and I think what we've well, said absolutely is absolutely conquers kicking. Yeah. So what we've said is is that we'll we'll award that where it's warranted, but we'll probably yes. definitely, probably definitely can't do that. We will definitely have an end of season awards ceremony where we give out aptly named. Um, trophies of which the Ben Botica vase will be one. We so will yes, we we will think of all kinds of 
fuckery and incompetence, and we shall contrive hilarious names for all of their trophies, obviously. Obviously, we would love to have your input out there, at Blood and Mud. Yeah, it's much, much easier if you do it, if we're honest. Honestly, if you do some of our work for us, we find that much, much easier, as you've probably discovered. way better, yeah. Before we go on to shit good, we'll take Mm. a break from the little review stuff. Now, as you know, this season, everybody out there, and Josh, we've... um, Started off a new feature called I Don't Second That Emotion, where we say this is a safe space for you to share your unspeakable feelings about players who you either love Mm. when you shouldn't or hate when you should love. Now, I said there was kind of two ends of the spectrum. One, try and find somebody who likes Matt Dawson. That's not happening yet. And I also said, you know, a unanimous view is that everybody loves Shane Williams. Thinking that that would be an uncontroversial thing to say. Completely uncontroversial. Yeah. However, however, Paul Johns got in touch this week on Twitter and he had this to say, I don't like Shane Williams. Strong opening. Full stop. Overrated, ball-hogging, turnover merchant. Demonstrably made Wales worse. And I thought, well, how are you going to demonstrate that then? So he came back. Wales scored 2.3 tries a match when Shane was playing. And without... Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points, and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Out him, they scored 3.1 tries per match between 2005 and 2011. And then he went on his merry way. He basically walked in, threw gasoline over everything, threw a match on it, and fucked off. That's what Paul did. So, Josh, as an Osprey and a Welsh person, how would you respond to Paul Johns? Yeah, I mean, if I've been quiet for the last minute or so, it's just... <laughs> yeah, just you can't I'm, see his face, I can. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just slow, the rage is just slowly bubbling. I mean, no, no, I know this is a safe space. I know this is a place for people to share their darkest, most socially unacceptable feelings, but are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Shane Williams. The Shane Williams. Shane Williams MBE. One of the most exciting and gifted players to ever play the game ever. Man who could bring an entire nation to his feet with a swivel of his hips and a step onto his left foot. A man with genuine stardust in his feet. World Player of the Year in 2008. 87 caps, 58 tries, 
three Lions, tours eight tries for the Lions, a man who was cons- consistently told he was too small to play rugby, Go on, who not only proved everyone wrong, but became one of the greatest wingers to ever play the game, and Wales' best ever winger. End of story. That Shane Williams, no, just no. You're wrong. Emphatically wrong. Well, however, it is an interesting stat, that, if correct. <laughs> that they did, that they did. Well, you, could, you know, as the, as, as the old saying goes, you can prove anything with facts, can't you? He wouldn't can prove anything with statistics. And that, that stat that he puts out there doesn't factor in the fact that almost certainly when Shane was playing, it was not playing. It was when we were playing somebody dog shit and he was getting rested. That's like true. Japan. That's true. Canada. And so, yeah, of course we scored more tries because we were playing absolute dross, whereas Shane played all of the good games. Well, remember, there's no judgment here. We allow there's people... Definitely- <laughs> the no judgment rule has gone out the window on week two nice. of I don't second that emotion. On fire in a bin outside the house now. <laughs> so, you know, <sighs> listen, everybody out there, don't be afraid to come forward because you cannot say anything more controversial than Paul oh. did with I don't oh. like Shane Williams. That's just genuinely the stupidest It is thing genuinely shocked. It is. I was genuinely shocked. I was genuinely shocked. But There are some people that just hate joy and have you seen, have you seen the... the film old school with will ferrell <laughs> yes. when he goes to the couch to the marriage gardens with his wife and he starts yes. telling that story about when they go out for something to eat and he looks at the waitress and he imagines what color panties she's got on and whether the full panties and basically then kind of comes alive to himself and goes oh but this is a trust i can say what i want here can't i it's a trust thing and his missus <laughs> is absolutely fuming this feels a little bit like that yeah, that you've basically is... overstepped the mark in couples therapy here <laughs> yeah he is he is not just he's trampled the line. The, the, the line is, is a dot as far as I'm concerned. So there you go. I don't second that emotion. Episode whatever we're at. Week three, I think. And we've had Shane Williams already. Yeah. I don't know. And I thought the Sergio Paris was about as bad as we were going to go. Yeah. Or I, mean, Chris I thought I was going to get a lot of shit for liking Chris Ashton. But honestly, some people are just wrong in the head. <laughs> no talking to these people, as you say. <laughs> So there you go. Moving on from that, that was I don't second that emotion. Please send your nominations in at Blood and Mud or at Josh Gardner, and um, you can hashtag it with second that emotion. Yeah, but yes. hashtag it anything on you want. Plus side, I will never get that angry about you, except possibly if you said Martin Williams or Gethin Jenkins. I don't think I'd ever. Get I think that he's going to come back again. next week and tell us he likes Matt Dawson because he's doing it on purpose. So we'll find <laughs> out. Somebody will definitely do that this season at some point. We'll on purpose say that. Shit good ratings. Thank you very much, everybody, for your nominations this week, because Christ knows it makes our job easier. But um, let's do shit first, because it was a very shit weekend, so I'm leaving off with shit. I'm going to start. Israel Falau. Yeah, not something I was. Yeah, not something I thought. But what I like about him, there's a picture from the late 70s of Michael Holding, the famous West Indian fast bowler and owner of the greatest broadcasting voice in the world. He lost his shit in a game. And he booted yes. a stump over, and his legs like up in the air, like a bat, like a kung fu stroke ballet dancer. And even it was like, even when he loses his shit and kicks something, it still looks beautifully graceful. He can't, he can't, he can't, he can't do anything that isn't graceful. And that yes. was what I felt like with Israel for Israel Folau this weekend. He looked so graceful still with every movement he made. But the yes. simple fact of the matter is, is that when you you know, if you gracefully knock on or gracefully get yourself a yellow card, you've still turned it into shit, haven't you? Yes. There is act of it's it's falling with style, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was basically just there was no parachute, but he was making it look good on the way down. He was really bad. Like I don't know 
he just looked massively out of sorts, which is weird because even though everyone else playing in a gold shirt has been generally shit for the last six months, he's usually been quite good. But yeah. I guess he's just finally thrown the towel in and decided to join the club this week. Um, I'm just uh, the green and gold pod, uh, rugby, green and gold rugby guys, the Australia, the hugely mm. popular Australian rugby fan site, said that um, they're advocating moving him to the wing to get a bit of confidence back, like when he first came in. Oh yeah, Which I, I can see that working. I can see that working, but he's um, but yeah, it's just it's just upsetting, really. I mean, to be honest, it's just he, that's a perfect picture of how bad this weekend was that even he even Israel Falau looked shit I think it was altitude maybe possibly but nobody enjoys like no matter whether you like you root for the team or not nobody enjoys when really really good players go through a period of looking dog shit because we like the best players to look good you know it's basic contrary to our sniffiness and our snidiness we do actually genuinely want to see good players play well yeah I like watching Israel Folau when he's at his pomp because he's one of the most stunningly graceful rugby players that has ever walked the earth. However, yeah, at the moment, he's a pile of shit. <laughs> that's the end and of that. And that's sad. And that's sad. It is sad. Hmm. What have you got on your shit list? Um, also shit is uh, Wales's back row options for the autumn. Um, Wales will probably never get a better chance to go undefeated this autumn because they've got Australia and South Africa and Argentina who... Uh, between somewhere between shit and I don't know, kind of. Uh, um, they've got Japan. Yes. They could win all those games. Japan they have named sixteen games. uncapped players. Yeah, so we should, we could and should win all of those games. But now they're going to have to do it shorn of not only Felipe Falatau and probably Dan Lydia as well because he still hasn't played this season. But now Sam Warburton's broken his cheekbone is going to miss the autumn as well. So that's. The first time since 2011, I think, that they've gone into a series without any of that World Cup back row, and that's going to be a very, very big thing to absorb, I reckon. He gets more snags than a sort of poorly built new house, Sam Warburton, doesn't he? No, it's, it's so really frustrating. frustrating. It's not and they're his stupid fault. little it's things. It's not like it, they're it? like. It's not like he's got some sort of chronic problem in one thing. No. Like a shoulder or a knee or a ankle or something it's just he always gets these stupid niggling little fucking injuries it must drive him mental always at the wrong time as well yeah he's like James Simpson Daniel except yeah, his career's better. gone on a bit further than that <laughs> yes but injuries at the wrong time um, yeah exactly. on Twitter Stuart Page got in touch and I'll be honest he was one of very very many who got in touch to make the point about how shit Edinburgh are at the minute he says that well, Edinburgh are freewailing their way to an Italian franchise deal. They're that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, last week it felt like against Munster, they it seemed like their coaching team didn't understand the rules of rugby. And Bren Whitehouse has to go over and explain to them why they couldn't replace a prop with a winger. Um, <laughs> which literally took about five minutes. And, and then on Tuesday... <laughs> The entire coach, well, the head coach gets sacked. And they're just, I mean, they really are trying to give those Italian teams something to aim for. You've got to give them that. Uh, somebody who regularly gets in touch with a pod, a lovely, lovely personal group of people, is the Black and Red, who are a, mm. an Edinburgh supporters fan site. And, and I feel they got in touch is, as well. It's, it's becoming more like a support group at the moment. It is, it? it is becoming a support group. Yeah, they need a circle <laughs> of trust as well where they can set, where they can share things <laughs> in a safe space. <laughs> And also so they can keep an eye on each other because, you know, it's it's pretty horrific out there. 
yeah, and the, the nights are closing in now. It's not getting any better. Speaking so, of teams as well, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people got in touch about Gloucester as well. I don't understand what, like, I mean, just what is going on there? Like, they are, we talk about Bristol being too good to be this shit, but fucking hell, what is up with Gloucester? Like, David Humphreys looks like a chairman of a provincial parish council, and he's about as good at motivating people as that, it would appear. Like, just every week he gets up there and he just looks like somebody that's been forced into an overly large coat. And doesn't have a fucking clue what he's doing. Look at him, he's wearing that sort of Arsene Wenger. What, what is that supposed coat. to do? Never mind that, just put the coat on and stand there. I love that. <laughs> I love the idea of that. That's great. And he's always, he's always stood leaning on that kind of metal railing up in the stand somewhere. Hmm. That's the, Is that their kind of coach's box because it always they say the massive coach looking slightly yeah. bemused leaning on a railing <laughs> and it's like how tall he wasn't tall was he david humphreys no he was no not, not at all but he wasn't that short either but like whenever they seem to interview him after games it's like he's been sort of it's like the cameraman standing on a box <laughs> i wonder if they just do that to make him look even more fucking hopeless and insignificant because jesus he is given the amount of money the gloucester have spent and everything and, the and absolutely caliber of players they have. It's just there's no excuse. Alvaro on Twitter made the point, you know, he came and made his point, he said, shit, there were Jock Gloucester. And this is the real crux of it really. There's so much good about the club, he said. Infrastructure, community, history. And then the first fifteen they put on the field is that. The chokematic nine hundred of his called. The thing yeah. is it wasn't even a choke this week. It no, was they just, were just absolute poo from start to finish. And they just and Bath were not good either. Bath were no, really not very good. Not okay, they, they, they are definitely on the down wave after that strange start to the season that they've had. Yeah, massively so. And yet, I mean, they had Aled fucking Brew <laughs> outside winger Aled Brew at outside centre. No, terrible winger Aled yeah. Brew at outside centre. <laughs> you're playing a shit winger out of position. That's yeah. the, that's what you're playing against. That's the genius of Todd Blackadder right there. <laughs> and yet, somehow that paid off. Imagine but if you'd I... have said two seasons ago, you know what I can see happening? I can see Aleb Brew ending up playing for a, you know, a premiership team. For, for, a, for a putative top four premiership team. <laughs> you'd have been laughed out yes, of the pub. I, well, exactly. And yeah, I, I don't know what to say about Gloucester anymore because it's, it, it, like you say, it's just a bit sad. Like I don't understand what what they're gonna do because like on the highlight show, Flatman was saying, "Oh, I don't think they'll get stuck in the relegation mire." But fucking believe it, they're in it. They're not far well, enough ahead well, of Bristol. It's to very be. early, and we we said last week how we've been making predictions, which you know keep turning around week on week. But there's yeah. nothing much about anything to do with their play right now. No, and now they've lost like John Afoa. What around. looks like quite a while as well and he was about the only thing that was keeping that scrum up and even he wasn't playing that well no he wasn't he was lit- all he was doing was keeping the scrum up he was doing fuck all else so yeah it's I would be alarmed if I was a Cherry and Whites fan right now Sean we've mentioned this but Sean Fling got in touch on Twitter and said uh, uh, at Blood and Mud and said the Falcons attacking tactics were proper shit uh, <laughs> a dildo made of Angel Delight would have more penetration that is incredibly graphic. That's a, 
that's an enduring image, isn't it? I love it. I loved Angel Delight when I was a kid. Yeah, that's good. Not, not such a big fan of dildos, I'll be honest, but I am a fan of Angel Delight. Each to their own. I mean, yeah. Uh, no, they, I mean, they're not a good team. Let's not beat around the bush here. Newcastle have won a couple of games and they're hard and they're, hmm. you know, they, they're organised, but they're not a good team. Nobody sums um, up Newcastle as a club for me more than, is it, is, I can't remember, it's Hammersley, the fullback. It's Stuart yeah. Hammersley, mm. who is the most bog standard player. <laughs> if you were to like, draw, draw me an archetypal bog standard club yes. provincial rugby player, and it would be yes. Hammersley. He's not a bad um, player. He's, he's not. He's a, not a bad player. He's a perfectly serviceable player, but he is the archetypal. Uniquely unspectacular. He's an ah, he? yeah. He's an archetypal. As you, good, that's a good way of putting it. Uniquely unspectacular. Yes. Yeah. There is no way that you could find someone more average without, in, not in a den, to denigrate him in any way, but just a bang average yes. without any kind of excitement yeah, or look up, you know. exception. Talent, you know, he's just he's just a solid pro, and Newcastle have got a team full of them. They have, and that's and why they'll probably be safe again because. Of it. But yeah, they're not a good team, especially away from home. Anything on your shit list else there? Uh, All Blacks discipline in the second half against Argentina was genuinely atrocious. I don't think I've ever seen. I lo- I couldn't give you the stats because I actually lost track of how many penalties they gave away in their own, in their own 22 when Argentina came back at them. Hmm. Like, yeah, they got a couple of yellow cards for their trouble, but the persistent cynicism was... I mean, the All Blacks do a lot of things better than anybody else, but they also do naked cheating better than anybody else as well. And, God, they were lucky they didn't get down to 12 men at one point, let alone 14. And, like, I know I'm clutching at straws here, but you do feel like... Other teams won't be quite as profligate as Argentina either. No, maybe, indeed. Just maybe but that is then, a slight cheek in their armour, is that their discipline is still not very good. Yeah, but they'll just press the 15-minute super kill button again, won't they? No, but I, I, we're clutching at straws here, but what do you want? Yeah. Uh, shit stuff on Twitter. We mentioned it, but Richard Dighton got in touch at Blood and Mud and said, shit, doubly Phillips. And the Pro 12 puts itself in a daft position by having a ref from the same club, City Union, as the away team. This is Cardiff Leinster. Yeah, it? it's not ideal. I appreciate, but the Pro 12, like, bashing standards of Pro 12 officiating is tired now because obviously it is shit. It's about as fashionable as baggy jeans and backward baseball caps. But, like, when you moan about it as vociferously as people have this weekend, it's worth remembering the part of the problem is that not everybody here is pulling their weight. Like, there are, what, 17 top flight officials in the Pro 12 at the moment. Right. Two of them are Italian and. Two of them are Scottish, but one of them's Neil Patterson, who's from Belfast. Like, and the other one is Sam Grove White. He's twenty fucking three. Like, of course yeah. we're gonna have shitty refs when we're having to rely on the sixth and seventh choice Irish and Welsh refs to do the job. Because it's whereas in Scotland can't pull the weight. Yeah, because they're not. You know, Scotland are spending all this money on bloody foreign imports and kilted kiwis. Maybe they need to put a bit more money into developing was, match officials. Just because... a, or can't they do the same tactic with refs? Well, yeah. So they well, can find somebody as a project ref that they could bring over. <laughs> find ourselves, yeah, a talented kiwi ref who's got some Scottish heritage about him, and just bring him up there. But yeah, something that would, if you just think, another three or four Scottish refs would. Problem solved. 
Well, yeah, it, would it wouldn't be possible because it probably they be can't have neutral officials at the moment because there aren't enough refs from Italy and Scotland to do it in these island Welsh encounters. And it wouldn't be problem solved because it'd still be a bit shit, probably. But at least you'd yeah, remove probably. the bias argument. Yeah, that's the thing. The refereeing, you know, the refereeing standard in the Prem isn't much better, but you don't have this constant fucking background hum of bias and suspicion because everybody's on the same page and they're neutral. It's, it's yeah. Let's have you got any more shit? Uh, no, I think that's me actually. So right, let's move on to good then. Dave yes, Gallen got, got in touch on Twitter, and you've already mentioned this, but I'll I'll, I'll reinforce it what Dave said. Good for him was Brad Davis coaching at Ospreys. As yeah, a defence coach, he's I believe. done a remarkably good job so yeah. far this season. I've been very impressed. Ulster's so-called best backline in Europe, so-called by the only one that knows how yeah. to say these kind of things, uh, mm-hmm. never looked like scoring a try. And as you said, kept Charles Piertau quiet. And who's done that that often this season? Yeah, no, they or were any really, season, really good. They're very, he's done a really good job with that. Given how well Wasps defended on the weekend at times, you wonder if uh, they were entirely smart in letting him go. To be quite honest with you. Um, other goods for me. Uh, old dogs showing that they still got it. Namely Matthew Rees, who's despite being 35 years old now and had cancer a few years back, was brilliant when he came on against Leinster for the Blues. Like He absolutely monstered that Leinster scrum pretty much on his own. Um, and Mike Phillips as well. Unlikely fly half last week. Um, and then reel back the years to score a lovely try against Leicester. He hasn't shown a step like that. And, since he stepped up to that bouncer outside McDonald's. <laughs> um, not stepped down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I do uh, I do like that Matthew Reese is still wearing the Terminator arm smash uh yes. thing. The, the, the instrument. It's not even like I love the fact he doesn't even use any kind of special tape. It's properly electrician's no. insulation tape he's got wrapped around his arm. Which I think he's, he's he old school. Makes he's, like he's a, from Tonorevile. He doesn't understand what <laughs> these things are. But you know, it's like how much more obvious could you be about I'm gonna use this arm to smash the fuck out <laughs> of people. Because yeah. it's literally a big a big black truncheon. <laughs> Yeah, so any more good? Yeah, Tom Dare got in touch on Twitter and said, Alistair Eakin and David Flatman's double act on BT, which he thought yeah, which he thought was the glorious antithesis to the Tilsley-Townsend horror that happens in the football. It's true, they are good. They are very good. I do like them. Um, other good to me, George North. Yeah, lots um, of love on Twitter for him this week, yeah. He's gone under the radar a bit because Saints have lost a few games, but he is seriously, seriously getting back to, like, proper good best of the best George North like his break for that second Saints try like was absolutely ridiculous and then obviously he recognised the sports runner and he passes the time perfectly which is like vintage 2012 George North exactly what I was going to say that's what set him apart from other people in that he could run and he can step lots of people can do that it was his game awareness yes and that seems to be coming like I kind of you worried when he got that injury in New Zealand if he would take a little while to get back up to where he was after coming back. But no, he's hit the ground running and yeah, he's starting to look back to his very, very best. And that's that's a very exciting thing from Wales' point of view, let's face it. Um, good for me was the New Zealand midfield. Now we yes. said sometime way back at the beginning of this or maybe last year, well, when they had the big load of assignments that this would be the area where they would struggle Mm. We even scl- we even clung with our fingernails to the pitiful idea that Ryan Crotty is just a bit meh. That was the best we could come up. That was <laughs> seriously the best we could fucking come up with. But you know, we'll have a go at the All Blacks because Ryan Crotty's a bit meh. And now I maintain got- that he is a little bit meh, but he's a very good meh. 
he's unspectacular, but he's very he's sort of like James Milner in the football. He's unspectacular, but he's very effective. Yes, and then they've they've found this Leanet Brown from somewhere. He's looks a serious talent. Who does not look, look meh at all. <laughs> no. He's it, double it plus to matter whether he's a twelve or thirteen either. He's just yeah. No, he's excellent. I was massively impressed. Speaking of that game, actually, um, Facundo or Facundo, I don't know. Facundo. Um, Issa, the Argentina number eight. Like, yeah. What an absolute handful. Do you is. know what the translation of Facundo Issa is? I don't. Expressive Jesus. <laughs> he was basically that. I mean, he was like... <laughs> he, he was just... Even when the All Blacks were well on top, he was just such a handful. He was running at them like a ball of angry knives. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, Talon and, let him go, I believe. Didn't yes, he? one game he played. He was 18, and he's only 23 now. I think Bujalal might regret that he's one. He's the Paul I? Pogba of the rugby world. <laughs> Better haircut, though. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he was. He was absolutely excellent. Yeah, one of the few bright sparks. I mean, mm. again, Argentina looked good for a bit. In, in, yeah. in, in, and again, just... Creevy did that amazing thing because he breaks and steps oh, and steps and steps. And, then, and he so smashed somebody good. out of the way. Then the next one comes. Then, of course, then, of course, he tried to force a ridiculous fucking offload. As sure as eggs is fucking eggs. Therein, therein lies the problem with Argentina is that they will do that shit and then they will try to do too much and they still haven't reeled that shit in. They still don't know when to not do all this Harlem Globetrotter shit, and that's the problem with them at the moment, I think. Speaking of um, offloads and the like, uh, good for me, TJ Paranara, who one's got a brilliant name. It is a great TJ name. TJ Paranara is a fantastic name. And also, it's like, because he's not first choice, is he? Because of Aaron hmm. Smith, who's obviously outstanding. Yes. Every time he's given a chance to come on, it's like he, he wants to put on his own highlights reel. Yes, and by and large, he does. And uh, yeah, that's the really irritating thing is that he doesn't <laughs> drop off loads of the like. He just does it wonderfully. Yeah, they've got two very, very good nines, and it was almost like because Gatland basically said that um, he felt like New Zealand's one weakness was that they rely a bit too heavily on Aaron Smith being brilliant. So almost as if to stick two fingers up to him, Steve Hansen has now started him twice, uh, Paranara twice, and he's been brilliant twice. So yeah. Have you got any more good? Uh, one last good one. Uh, Alid Brew's agent, as we discussed <laughs> earlier, how he went from being a 30-year-old winger who played maybe half a dozen games for the Dragons last year to a starting outside centre for Todd Blackadder's Premiership playoff chasers. His Mr. 10% deserves every fucking penny that he's earned. You know, every week, I think, I find myself looking out of the window trying to fathom things. Last week was the <laughs> Quinns beating Saracens. And then my wife goes, Mag's not, I'm not listening to her. I think this might be every week till at least Christmas trying to figure yeah. out how, how on earth he was the best option for an outside centre for Bath. He could not get into the Dragons team. Yeah, Let's, just let just that let sit that for a minute. <laughs> let that sit there for a second. He couldn't get in the Dragons team as a winger. As a winger? <laughs> now he starts. He, I mean, he's always been a fairly average, but... You know, honest enough. Case, yeah, yeah, honest enough and journeyman. Yeah. Just, I'm baffled by it. He was one of those players, and you get him quite a lot, who looked like he could have been brilliant for about 20 yes. minutes when he was about 20. <laughs> well, that's exa- yeah, that's exactly it. And he got his Wales cap or two. I think he probably got more than two caps for Wales, actually. But, um, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's just he's, a big he's, lump. He's the last, he's last decade's Hallam Amos, basically. 
This will be Hallow. Maybe Hallow Amos can look forward in ten years' time to starting for Bath as an outside centre. There are worse things you can do. Let's face it. There are. I kind of just. I assumed they brought him over there to keep Terry Falato company. If I'm honest, <laughs> carry his bag like Ali Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like they just gone well. He he misses he misses somebody with an, a Welsh accent. Let's just get this big lad over. A priest that never speaks. Play, so yes. he can play for the he can play for the A side and he can keep Talupe happy. But no, apparently Todd Blackadder sees a top flight thirteen in him. Well, Which, I couldn't see it on Saturday, so maybe no, that... <laughs> so maybe maybe it just takes a little while to eke it out of him. That maybe. was the shit good ratings. Thank you very much for your, con- for your contribution. You can all, moving on now, we're going to go back to our latest feature, uh, our continuing feature, that is, 99 Problems and the Hass Game 1. Somebody sent me a Hass video again this week. Don't, don't even think of it. Don't engage with I'm it. Not, I'm not this is what, they, it. Want. This is what to, they want. This is what they want. I'm not engaging yeah. with it. You can send them as much as you want, okay? I definitely will not watch <laughs> them and see. Um, anyway, 99 Problems on the Hasgate one. Uh, you can get in touch, hashtag 99 Rugby Problems or 99 Problems, and we'll pick them up. We've had Matt, Matt Matthewman's been in touch this week, and he suggested subs piling in to celebrate a try. <laughs> this is along the lines of this this discussion we've had over the past couple of weeks, this joy suppressor type tendency that rugby tends to have, isn't it? That you're only allowed a certain level of appropriate joy, otherwise it becomes out of order. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm generally on the side of allowing joy, which I know you are generally on the side of not allowing joy. I, but, I wouldn't um... go that far. I just have a... I just have a I, I just, um, yeah, yeah, I would have a, a lower limit of joy set than you, I think. Yes, but I, I, I must admit the whole substitutes mobbing him thing does get a little bit tiresome. It it's does. kind of like, lads, you've got some fucking warming up to exactly, do. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, give him a pat on the back, but you, you might have to run on in five minutes. Get get back to it. Get back to doing them chevron sidey run things that you do that make a yes, massive impact the... when you come on. <laughs> I had one this week I was thinking about. Um, mm. the, the mark rule. That's a problem. It is, a, bit of, it is a, a weird rule, isn't it? It and is. I'd, very... I'd get rid of it. It would, but they said then it just ends, then it, people just aimlessly kick for territory. They know that they can't. Then again, if you catch the ball, you shouldn't call it anyway. No, and I think it rewards yeah, the wrong get... thing. If you kick oh. a really good, if you kick a really good kick <laughs> into the twenty-two and you're chasing it down and you're nearly on it, the fact that somebody can jump in the air and call as a mark and you can't challenge them for it effectively. Yeah. And it's, it's not it's like not it's on. even a safe. It's not like it's even a safety thing. It's like you could understand if it was like to stop somebody like Tog. Like if you've got your back turned and you're sort of up in the air, you can call a mark and be left alone because you shouldn't be able to be fucking demolished as soon as you. Hmm. But it's not. That's, that's not a weak argument for me that's... to be honest. You're there to be tackled. Yeah, it's, the... but it's not. That's not the point of a mark rule. The point. The point of it is just. I don't. Yeah. I don't it, know what the point of it is. There is, there is no point to that rule. I mean, because years ago, you literally had to make a mark. You had to catch the ball and make a mark with your leg. Yeah. Then they said, then they changed it sometime, I think it was the late 80s into the early 90s, where they said, you can call a mark if both your feet are stationary on the ground. Yes. Then they said you could do it on the run. Then yes. they can basically, you can just shout and get your arm up in. So any time you catch the ball in the 22 on the floor, you just stick it. It's 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 a get out of jail free card that you don't really earn in my yeah um, it's it's a it's a way of shoddy covering fullbacks to extract themselves from a situation that they have probably created which, probably yeah 
it just doesn't seem yeah it's just it's, in a game that's so predisposed with favoring the attacking team these days and wanting to see more attacking rugby and more mm. you know try score yeah that's why i don't understand it yeah it seems to be a thing that just doesn't have it's a very any... easy out for a defending team yeah it's basically just completely absolving the defensive defending team of doing any kind of defending of the high ball inside their own 22 imagine how much more of a weapon the high ball would be like for kick like because at the moment somebody tries to sort of dink over the top or something and inevitably the cover you know the sweeping defender catches it and calls a mark and that's the end of it but can you imagine if they had to then somehow not get fucking destroyed it also it's a bit rugby it's a, it's it's a bit it runs against the grain for rugby union mm. i think because it is a bit rugby league it's a bit it a is stop a bit. Start it's thing. a bit american can... football as well yeah. it's like the fair catch rule but that is that is in just to stop people being actually killed <laughs> whereas yeah it's just it's like you said i've never really thought about it before but you are right it makes literally no sense whatsoever thank you very much Joyce. josh some validation at last <laughs> Anyway, please give us your thoughts at Blood and Mud on whether you think the mark rule is a problem or whether I've missed the point entirely. Um, I'm sure you will. But uh, <laughs> uh, a very quick update on 99 problems. Last week we said about the use it problem, where refs shout use it and never actually enforce mm. the fact they shout it. It actually happened. Yes. Uh, Wasps had one I got called for not using it at the weekend. Well, that's one of those things where they have to do it once a season in order <laughs> to, to keep actually... their jobs. <laughs> Yeah, it's the I same bet he was being reviewed. I bet there was a review guy in the in the. Yes, in the same way that they'll call feeding into the scrum once a season, you know, they'll just they'll just do it to occasionally remind us that it happens and it is a rule. But by and large, they'll completely fucking ignore it. We're going to finish, nearly finish, with the our player spotted feature. We ask you to email in some mundane spotting of a player somewhere. Matt mm. C got in touch and said, following Wales getting a good hiding from the All Blacks in the Autumn Internationals one year, picky year, uh, <laughs> my mate and I bumped into Cuthbert and Priestland out on the town in Cardiff. I imagine oh, Cuthbert was probably dropping his pint and Priestland was making a poor decision. Probably went into the wrong toilets or something. But anyway, Priestland looked absolutely crushed as it hadn't been his best game. Again, picky year. Um <laughs> And Cuthbert had his arm around him and was trying to cheer him up a bit. Oh, oh that's actually quite touching. They could have to offense, bend down. Alex Cuthbert is a very lovely man. It's just a shame that he is not a very good winger at the moment. Matt, Matt C finishes that both of us had heaped total scorn on Priestland's performance since leaving the ground. But this didn't. <laughs> at least you wait till you left the ground. Most Welsh fans yeah. start booing him anyway. Um, <laughs> but this didn't stop us from running up like a couple of fanboys and congratulating him on a great game. Oh, that's nice. But that I like this. Nice. He didn't look too convinced about our sincerity. <laughs> in fairness, he's going to be his own harshest critic at that point, isn't he? I think he is. I think he is anyway. I think this is probably. Yeah, I, I think the issue with him, it's his diffidence. A very big problem, isn't it? Yeah, diffident. Yeah. So thank mm. you for that. You can get in touch with any. If you've spotted, if you have spotted a player, please let us know. Um, I, d- I have spotted a player, but I went and got a haircut on Friday, and uh, my barber told me that Anthony Peronese, the Bristol and former Bath prop and Samoa international, gets his beard trimmed in there every week. So, uh, interesting story. Doesn't qualify. Yes. Thank you for nope, thank you for thank you for playing. <laughs> um, the, so please get in touch at Blood and Mud. It doesn't beat Rory Jackson Bunga Bunga. That one, I'll be honest. That's that, still my favourite. There's favorite. not much top in that, is there? I mean, where do you where do you go from there? Please, somebody 
show us where we should go from there. Yeah, please show. We try and find a shit. Can you please let us know of a club that sounds more bizarre and crazy and shit than Bunga Bunga Nightclub in London? Because yes, Uh, don't tell me you've seen a Welsh international at Revolutions or Tiger Tiger in Cardiff because that really doesn't count. That really doesn't count. I saw Neil (laughs) Jenkins absolutely pissed in Jumping Jacks in Cardiff on Mill Lane, which I'm not even sure it's even there anymore. Oh, is it still there? Uh, it's now in next to the Millennium Stadium, but it's just as bad as it always it was. was. Dreadful. Um, anyway, truly awful place. Yes, we're finishing with the loop as we always do. Now, listen, Josh. This week, I mm-hmm. try to bring us bang up to up to you know the yes. zeitgeist by mm. having Runaway by Kanye West because it's rugby related. Runaway. However, I've had real problems trying to get hold of an MP3. <laughs> so I've had absolutely no choice but to go back to use Runaway by Del Shannon from 1961. <laughs> so I tried my best, but unfortunately, hey. I've ended up 55 years hence. Look, sometimes the universe just orders itself in the way that it wants to. And clearly, we're not destined to be finger on the pulse music wise. <laughs> I, I'm all right with that. I won't believe it, but yes, I have no choice. But <laughs> I'm afraid it's... it's well, sorry, I'm not afraid because it's an absolutely blinding song, But <laughs> even though it is from 55 years ago. Runaway by Del Shannon. See you next week. Cool. See ya. Pick up your phone while driving, and you might need to be picked up from work. 
break the speed limit, and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car, and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Sports Social Podcast Network.